Okay, so let's get into the story right now. Joe Biden, once again, disrespecting black people. You're hearing it now. All Talk Radio, live in 4K. Fair use. Two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip-hop in America, LLJ Cool J. Uh, by the way, that boy's got, he got, that man's got biceps bigger than my thighs. I think he's been... And MC Light, both of you, thank you. My thing is this, right? To sign up with the Democrats, you know they haven't given you much of anything, really. They haven't. And what do you think they're going to do to you? They're going to disrespect you. Um, They think of blacks as slaves. So they do things like this. I mean, what what did Joe Biden say one time? If you don't vote for me, you ain't black. And what did what did what did some black people do? They voted for Joe Biden. Or how about that that uh, slogan? Get your booty to the poll. Black women dressing as strippers and going on a poll. You got to vote for Joe Biden or Saucy Santana. No, um, no, you know, no voting, no fucking. I, I mean. What do you expect from Joe Biden? He doesn't respect you. You don't hold his feet to the fire. You don't vote with your feet and say, we're not going to vote for you unless you give us tangibles. I'm sorry. I mean, and you have the entertainers, you know, they have to be Democrat. So it's just slavery that you're seeing on the left. Charlemagne the God labels Biden donkey of the day for referring to rapper LL Cool J as boy. Radio host Charlemagne scorched the president and his supporters for trying to make this 197-year-old man sound cool. I mean, were you saying anything when Hillary Clinton came on Hot 97 with hot sauce? Did, Did you say anything back then? I mean, was there any pushback? How about Kamala Harris showing collard greens in a in a in a picture on social media? I believe it was on Twitter, formerly known, you know, X, formerly known as Twitter. Was there any pushback with that? No. What about when Biden screwed over the HBCUs? I mean, where was the pushback? The Breakfast Club co-host Charlemagne the God called out President Biden on Monday for butchering a famous rapper's name at a public event and referring to him as boy. President Biden made headlines for multiple gaffes at the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation's annual legislative conference over the weekend as Biden praised two of the greatest artists of our time, representing the groundbreaking legendary legacy of hip hop in America. He referred to LL Cool J as L L J Cool J. The situation worsened when Biden pivoted and tried to praise the rapper act rapper actor by saying, by the way, that boy got he's got man, he got his biceps bigger than my thighs. 
The term boy has historic and racial connotation when used by white person to refer to adult black men, as Charlemagne noted, which was part of what led him to dubbing Biden the donkey of the day as a result. Donkey of the day for Monday, September 25th, goes to the 46th president of the United States of America, Joe Biden, he said. A lot of people are upset that Joe Biden referred to El Cuj as boy. As you can hear, he corrected himself on the spot. You know why Joe Biden corrected himself? Because he's 137 years old, Charlemagne said. He fully understands the word boy is a racial context around a white man referring to a black man as boy. You see boy is absolutely a white racist word when used in a certain context. However, Charlemagne pivoted to argue that the part of the incident he truly found egregious was the fact that Joe Biden got L. Kuj's name wrong to begin with. I mean, look what he did when it came to Tyree Nichols. Okay, he went up to Tyree Nichols' mother and called, you know, called her Tyler. He called him Tyler, her dead son. He missed. He called the woman's dead son's name wrong. He wouldn't like that if someone said that about his son, Bo. He wouldn't like that. But he feels he could disrespect black people because. Black Americans just keep giving him a pass. All right? You just keep giving him a pass, and he can keep clowning you and clowning you and clowning you, and you're not going to do anything about it. The host asked why the audience laughed at Biden stumbling over the famous rapper's name, suggesting they should have corrected him immediately. He added that Biden shouldn't have shouldn't need a teleprompter to know L.O. Cool J's name. L.O. Cool J is a man who's been rapping since Joe Biden was my age. Literally, Joe Biden was 44. I'm 45. But Joe Biden was 44 when L.O. Cool J dropped his album, Radio, he said. He added, L.O. Cool J has been white famous for at least 35 years. There's not too many more recognizable celebrities on the planet. It's not like Joe Biden was speaking on somebody relatively new, someone who he hasn't been familiar with in any way, shape, or form. It's L. O. Cool J. The talk show host slammed Biden for pandering in a way that lacked authenticity. There's a prime example of it. If it doesn't matter how many black people you are around, doesn't matter how many black people you have in your administration, doesn't matter how many black people you have writing for you, if it's not authentic to him, then it won't come off as a thing to anyone, he said. And aren't there black people in his administration that are leaving because they feel they're underpaid? Correct me if I'm wrong. The man loves to disrespect black people and he keeps getting away with it. And none of you check him. Y'all keep trying to make this 197-year-old man sound cool simply because he's talking to black people. And there's nothing more uncool than someone trying to too hard to be cool. Charlemagne continued, what's that quote? Don't try too hard to be cool. It always shows that's uncool. Yes, that is President Joe Biden. Hey, Amen. I mean, what do you expect? He's getting away with literally murder. All right. That's basically what he's getting away with. But um, 
let's check out this sad situation right here that happened at a Jason Aldean concert. Fair use, by the way. Hamilton County Sheriff's Office is investigating after a woman says she was run over by a truck while leaving a concert at Ruoff Music Center Saturday night. There are no security cameras in that area, so they're hoping that witnesses will come forward to help find the driver. Fox 59, Scarlett. Why wouldn't there be security cameras? Little Harris spoke with the woman about what happened that night. What began as a fun night out with a friend ended with a trip to the hospital for Crystal Lamont. At this point, I can't walk properly, but at that point, I, I felt nothing. She went to a Jason Aldean concert at Ruoff Music Center in Noblesville Saturday night. As she waited to leave the venue, she remembers a black Chevy Silverado barreling by. She says one of the four men inside the truck called out to her. He was slurring, he said, do you need a ride? And I said, absolutely not. And he said, get in the truck. Then she says the driver chimed in. Then he um, said, F you, and um, just hit the gas. Lamont says she was clipped and grabbed onto the open window. The driver didn't slow down. I could hear people honking in the distance and yelling. And then I could not hold on anymore, and I let go. She says the man drove right over her body, and in shock, she got up to find help. Incel. Incel alert. A witness we spoke to off camera says he noticed the crowd was a bit rowdy during the concert. And on his way out, he saw the truck nudge forward, run over Lamont, and speed away. That witness also said he couldn't believe she was able to walk. Lamont says she couldn't feel a thing until a friend drove her to the hospital. It felt like I was, um, like my hip had exploded. <laughs> Yeah, so I started screaming. I just wanted out of the truck. She says she didn't break any bones, but is being monitored for internal bleeding. In the meantime, a friend is helping spread the word, hoping witnesses will come forward, because the Hamilton County Sheriff's Office says there are no security cameras in the area. I don't, I don't know. Maybe. Why would you not have that in the area and you have a concert? I don't I don't see a point to uh not have that. Is it because you think it's a it's a just, you know, a, a white concert that things aren't going to be um not going to be dangerous? Those in Indiana knows what police officers are investigating after a woman said she was run over by a truck Saturday night while leaving a Jason Aldean concert at Rolf Music Center. Excuse me. Investigators with the Hamilton County Sheriff's Office said that because there are no security cameras in the area where the incident occurred, they are hoping witnesses will come forward to help find the driver. What began as a fun night out with a friend ended up with a trip to the hospital for Crystal Lamont. At this point, I can't walk properly, Lamont said, but at that point, I felt nothing. Lamont went to a Jason Aldean concert Saturday night at Rolf Music Center in Noblesville. As she waited to leave the venue, she said she remembers a black Chevy Silverado barreling by and out of, and one of, them, one of the foremen inside the truck called out to her. He was slurring. He said, do you need a ride? said absolutely not he said get in the truck then lamont said the driver chimed in and told her to walk around to the side of the vehicle then he said f you and he hit the gas 
Maude said she was clipped by the truck and grabbed onto its open window. The driver said, um, the driver, she said, didn't slow down. I could hear people honking in the distance, yelling. She said, I could not hold on anymore, and I let go. Lamont said the man drove right over her body. In shock, she stood up to find help. A witness told Fox 59 and CBS 4 that he noticed the crowd was hit by, was a bit rowdy during the concert on his way out. He said he saw the truck nudge forward, run over Lamont, and speed away. The witnesses also said he couldn't believe she was able to walk. Lamont said she couldn't feel a thing until her friend drove her to the hospital. Felt like my hip exploded, she said. I started screaming. I just went out of the truck. Lamont said she didn't break any bones, but is being monitored for internal bleeding. In the meantime, a friend is helping spread the word in the hope that witnesses will come forward to the lack of security cameras in the area. Maybe it will spark a memory and a little bit more details will be brought forth. Hopefully, Benjamin McCann said, help bring these people to justice. Lamont said, even the other men in the truck may not have wanted it to be involved. Even the other men who were in the car who weren't the ones who ran me over, maybe they didn't have those intentions, Lamont said. Social media post about the incident has already reached tens of thousands of people. I was in shock, McCann said. I can't believe another human being would do this. This is why you have security cameras. The Ralph Music Center posted on social media before the concert announcing that they were expecting a sold out show with heavy traffic. All right, well, this could be a lawsuit for Miss Lamont. Fox 59 CBS4 has reached out to the venue and representatives said due to the active investigation, they have no comment. The Hamilton County Sheriff's Office has since provided the following statement. I was advised that this is an active and ongoing investigation and the victim has a non-life-threatening injuries. There are no cameras in the area where the uh, where this occurred, and anyone with any information is asked to contact Detective Eric Gilbert at 317-776-1872. I do hope that she does get justice. I really do, but this is utter nonsense, and they should be sued. They really should be sued for this incident. All right. Let's get into this story right here, talking about uh, Popeyes and why yeah, fast food should really be left alone right now. It really should. Fair use. I got fired for the previous video that I had recorded on TikTok. At Popeyes restaurant, their slogan is love that chicken from Popeyes. But former Memphis employee Takiya Ransom, still wearing her Popeye's uniform, telling WREG her former manager apparently didn't love a couple of videos she recorded and posted on social media. One allegedly involving a dispute between the manager and a customer. Go a roach right here. And another more disturbing video showing roaches in the restaurant at 4720 Showcase Boulevard near the Perkins exit. It's very bad. It's everywhere and all in the foods, you know, and everything you can think of, all in the rice. Ransom had only oh, worked at Popeyes for damn. two months and claimed she repeatedly told her general manager about the roaches. The GM, they been knew about it. It's been a problem. You know, you get what I'm saying? So when I tried to 
tell her about it, we got into it. She says the manager didn't want to get rid of the roach-infested food and still wanted to sell it. She didn't even want to throw the rice away. Like, she told me, this product. And I was like, okay, so what you want me to sell? The roach stuff? W <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is nasty. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, stay away from fast food people. Just, just stay away reached from out it. to Popeyes. Oh, In an email statement, Popeyes wrote, quote, absolutely nothing about the condition of the restaurant in this video is acceptable. It went on to say, even though the health department visited and confirmed no issues at the restaurant, we shut it down thoroughly cleaned and will not reopen until we understand what happened and team members have been retrained on proper procedures, end quote. As for Takia Ransom's future with the restaurant, she says she has no love for Popeyes. I don't want my job back because that's the rudest company I ever worked for. Hey, I mean, why would you work for a company that is basically putting everybody's health at risk? They don't care about, you know, that... Oh, come on, man. This is just nasty. I mean, no. No, 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 no. No, no, man. This is why people have to cook their own food. You know, they're already trying to make us eat bugs. You know, ah, gosh. I don't know what to say, man. This, this is just nasty. This is just nasty. Well, we got some more uh, more stuff that, uh, let's just say racism is still alive and well, especially in uh, the Gershom apartment complex, where Blacks are receiving death threats. Let's get into it. Fair use. I did. And while these videos are now viral on social media, the mother-daughter duo tell me they wish police and property management would have stepped in sooner. They say they sounded the alarm after the first incident back in June, yet Austin wasn't arrested until yesterday. And this eviction notice wasn't signed until just three days ago. You have to make sure you look outside your peephole, you look at your ring camera before you exit your home. Honestly, it's like you live inside of a jail or something. Trapped in their own home, new Brittany Smith says she and her mom moved into the landings at Morrison Apartments June 2nd. But a warm welcome is not what the new tenants received. As she says, their neighbor, now identified as 19-year-old Dominic Austin, began threatening the pair less than a month later. I'm about to get murdered. From pounding on the door to threats with a knife, videos captured on Smith's ring camera appear to show Austin's behavior escalating, including threats of rape and racist slurs. We were terrified. We were upset. We didn't know what was going on. Instantly, we took the videos from the ring camera, attached them to an email, and sent them to the landings at the Morrison. One of the times he came down here, he had a knife in there. While Smith says she notified police and property management June 30th, the day after the first incident, and continued to report the threats, she says nothing was done to remove Austin from the complex for months. Part of the rental agreement says that if a tenant should threaten another tenant, the landlord can throw the offender out in 24 hours notice. 
And documents obtained by Coin6 News show Austin was only officially notified by the property on September 8th, with the eviction notice filed only three days ago. Between that and the multiple calls to 911, attorney Greg Cafori says both police and property management failed to protect tenants. The people who run this very large apartment complex didn't give a damn. The police didn't give a damn. And I don't know how anyone can look at those videos and come to any other conclusion. As a black woman, we, me and my mother, I feel that we wasn't hurt. I feel that we were not important. I feel that the police, Gresham police definitely should have done more. Court records show Austin was arrested yesterday and now faces one count of menacing and 10 counts of violating a stalking protective order. His arrest comes as court records show another neighbor in the building filed a temporary protective order against Austin back in August for similar threats that were also reported to police on at least two occasions. In that case, investigators say Austin continued to violate the order up until Tuesday, the same day he was served with Smith's protective order, who tells me she reached out to police and property management repeatedly. She feels these attacks could have been prevented. I felt that I was failed by the system, by the landings at the Morrison. I don't feel safe. I don't have any. He could be released at any time. Then what happens next? This is why black people in this country, you have to start preparing for what's coming. Because when that dollar loses its value, people can't get their money out the bank. People are not going to work if they're not getting paid. Okay. People need to start preparing now, especially you women who don't have uh, husbands, okay? You're, you're single mothers, you're by yourselves. You need to start protecting yourselves. You need to start being aware of what's going on around you. Your head has to be on a swivel, especially you single moms who live in the projects, okay? There are plenty of men around you who are waiting for an opportunity to fulfill their sick, twisted desires. And you have to be ready to put them in check or to have family members, male family members close by for protection and to invest in protection. Black mother and daughter in Oregon feared for their lives and felt trapped by knife-wielding neighbor who yelled racial slurs at the front door for months while the police and property management ignored their complaints. Nubity Smith told Keon that she and her mother moved into Gershon apartment nearly in, in early June. Shortly after their neighbor, 19-year-old Dominic Austin, began harassing, including threats of grape. Smith's ring security camera recorded numerous incidents. Austin said, you're about to get murdered in one of the recordings. We were terrified. We were upset. We didn't know what's going on. Smith said instantly we took the videos from the ring camera, attached them to the email and sent them to the landings at the Morris apartments. Smith said on June 30th, one day after the first incident, Smith notified the property manager and police and reports reported subsequent threats, which were apparently ignored. My mother and I don't feel like enough is being done and that the local authorities and property management don't care until someone is hurt. States a GoFundMe campaign Smith launched. 
The property manager finally contacted Austin on September 8th and filed an eviction notice on September 18th, more than two months after the first incident. Part of the rental agreement says that if a tenant should threaten another tenant, the landlord can throw the offender out in 24 hours notice. Attorney Greg Coffey told the news station the Gresham police finally arrested Austin on September 20th, even though another neighbor filed a temporary protective order against Austin for similar threats and individual that the individual reported to the police. Now imagine if the color of skin, if it was a black man threatening a white woman and her mother, that offender would be locked up so quick, it would make your head spin. As a black woman, me and my mother felt, I felt we weren't heard. I feel that we were not important, Smith said. Authorities charge Austin with one count of menacing and 10 counts of violating and stalking protective order. The people who run this very large apartment complex didn't give a damn. The police didn't give a damn, Coffrey said. And I don't know how anyone can look at those videos and come to any other conclusion. Police cited hate and bias as the motives for Austin's acts in the ongoing investigation that the district attorney's office is reviewing to file all appropriate charges. As with all cases where concern about our response is brought to our attention, we will review our response to identify ways to improve our service to the community. Police statement read. That's of no comfort to Smith. I don't feel safe because he's in jail today, but I don't know what tomorrow is going to be. He could be released at any time. Then what happens next, Smith asked. Absolutely. I get what she's saying because you already you might as well have to move. You're going to have to move someplace into a shelter, someplace when you are safe. Because white privilege exists. Okay, look at Rasheem Carter. We saw what happened to him. He reported that white men were following him, and he went to the police station and the. White sheriff didn't do a damn thing. He ended up disappearing. Next thing you know, you find his remains in the forest somewhere. His remains, spinal cord, skull. It's like someone did a fatality on him. That's what it was. And they took their time. All right. I'm going to check out this story right here. Speaking of white privilege. Okay. All right. Let's get into this story right here. White woman wins Miss Zimbabwe, Miss Universe Zimbabwe crown. Universe Zimbabwe visits Gaba's restaurant in Harare. Hey, 
Okay, so let's get into this. 20-year-old Brooke Brooke, Brooke Brooke Jackson was crowned Miss, Miss Universe Zimbabwe, which means she would represent the African nation at the next Miss Universe pageant. Held for the first time in 22 years, this past week, the Miss Universe Zimbabwe beauty contest sparked racial controversy in the African country, with many claiming that the winner is not an accurate representation of Zimbabwe's general population. Born and raised in Harare, Zimbabwe, capital city, Brooke, Brooke Jackson is also white, which many for many is apparently a problem. Her crowning as Miss Universe Zimbabwe ignited a fiery debate on social media with vocal critics arguing that her title is tainted by racial bias and that she only won because she is white. All those beautiful melanated women and you telling me the European one won a contest for black people on one outraged Twitter wrote. I'm not supporting this at all, and I'm not here to argue with anybody. Black people should learn to love and respect themselves. Stop sending a white girl to represent Zimbabwe. Someone else wrote on on Instagram. And, and that's true. Sorry to say, but uh, Miss Brooke is not of this country. She does not represent this country. She may be born here, but her ancestry is from across the pond. She is of European ancestry, and she has to accept that. I'm sorry, but you can't see black people getting away with this in other countries. All right. You really can't. And the fact is, all right, I may be mistaken. Maybe, maybe. Okay. But the reality is with Africa, they're in a fight right now. Because you have Europeans that want to crush and oppress this country and crush everything about that is beautiful about Africa. And this is about representation. And she does not represent Africa. I'm not trying to be, I'm not being racist. These are just facts. Okay. You will not see a black person being Miss Universe of South Korea. All right. Or a Miss Universe of the Dominican Republic. Or the Philippines, because they're very much, you know, into their culture, especially South Korea, very homogenous. They are not going to put up with it. Miss Universe Zimbabwe is a national preliminary event through the country's representative to the Miss Universe pageant is selected. Contestants represent the 10 provinces of the nation of Zimbabwe and include Zimbabwean nationals living in diaspora. Brooke is actually the second white woman to win a national African beauty pageant this year after Miss South Africa. But her win is considered more controversial due to Zimbabwe's deeply 
deeply divided racial landscape, stemming from its history of land reform and subsequent exodus of white inhabitants. Some people found it strange that the only white woman out of 25 contestants, Brooke Brooke Jackson, was named the winner. Yeah, something's wrong here. It really is. I'll say it's rigged. Okay, I will definitely say that this is rigged. All right. All right, so back to this story about the situation where it, uh, toddlers have been affected with fentanyl. And we'll see what's going on here. It is now live from Lower Manhattan with the new details from prosecutors. Kendall, what are we learning about this suspect? Hey, good evening, Steve Natasha. And that third suspect has been charged in connection with that alleged drug operation that left the one-year-old dead and three others sent to the hospital. Now, just to be clear, this is not the husband of that daycare owner who's still on the loose tonight. But federal authorities, they say 38-year-old Rennie Antonio Parra Paredes uh, was staying in an apartment containing narcotics and packaging material bearing the same stamp as packaging material found at the daycare just weeks ago. Now, federal prosecutors charged the defendant known as El Gallo with conspiracy to distribute narcotics resulting in death in connection with the poisoning of four children under the age of three, including one-year-old Nicholas Dominici, who died after being exposed to fentanyl. Now, Paredes is in custody and was presented today before U.S. Magistrate Judge Ona T. Wong. Now, prosecutors say around July through at least September, Paredes and other Ray Mendez and Carlisto Acevedo Brito conspired to distribute fentanyl, including at the child's daycare center in the Bronx. Now, despite the daily presence of children, including infants, Paredes and his co-conspirators kept large amounts of narcotics, including a kilogram of fentanyl stored at the top of children's playmats. This is stupid. This is so stupid. How do you have the brain? How do you not think about this? How? They catch these people, they are going to have a field day knocking their heads in. Those inmates are going to have a field day just whooping their backsides up and down the tears. Women and children are off limits. And in hidden traps located in the floor of the room where children played and slept. Now, authorities found in the trap. I don't believe the stupidity. Woo! How? Why? Mm. You're supposed to keep things away from kids. Things that could get kid that that are poisonous or toxic, you keep them away from kids. I'm not for drug dealing at all. But you know, if you have a daycare and you're going to do this, you need to keep that stuff away from kids. Period. Keep it out of kids' reach. Don't have it in the floorboards. No. I could, you know what? Yeah, she she was trash. She was for the streets, and she wanted the streets. And her husband is just as dumb. Water sought its own level, and dumb and dumber got together. And now they're both going to prison. One's on the run, but he's eventually going to get caught.
Hopefully. This is just a dumb and dumber situation. And unfortunately, children have paid the price. Material packaged narcotics such as glassine envelopes used for sale and distribution of drugs, which had been stamped with Red Dawn. Now, following the arrest of Paredes, uh, law enforcement officers, they searched the apartment where he was staying and found drugs in that apartment along, surf, along with uh, glassine envelopes with the same red stamp that with Red Dawn collected at the daycare. Now, law enforcement officers also found the stamp itself with Red Dawn at his apartment. Now, as for the two known defendants, Gray Mendez, the daycare's owner, and Carlisto Acevedo Brito, a man who rented the room uh, where he was hit, they were hit with uh, federal narcotics conspiracy charges. Just absolutely stupid, man. Just the stupid is strong with these people. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's all I got to say, man. It's just, oh boy. Stupidity is strong with these people, man. Just absolutely. I don't, I don't know how it's going to uh, play out, but I hope they do. They do face justice. This, this is just absolute mindless stupidity. I, I don't see how you could be this dumb. I just don't see it. Federal prosecutors charged the third suspect Monday in the fentanyl-related death of a one-year-old boy for allegedly conspiring to hawk the lethal fentanyl opioid out of the Bronx daycare center where the child and three other toddlers were sickened earlier this month. Rennie Antonio Parra Paradis, 38, was charged with conspiracy to distribute narcotics resulting in the death for his alleged role in the drug front child care facility in Kingsbridge, Manhattan. Federal prosecutors said daycare owner Gary Mendez, Deventra, 36, accused cohort Callisto Acido Brito, 41, were hit with federal drug charges last week in the September 15th death of little Nicholas Feliz Dominici. The pair also face state murder and child endangerment charges. I promised last week that we will continue to work to bring those involved in the child poisoning at Devino Nino Daycare to Justice. Manhattan U.S. Attorney Damon Williams said in a statement, since then, the, this office and our law enforcement partners have worked around the clock to identify and apprehend additional individuals who were responsible, he said. Today's arrest is one more step toward obtaining justice for the child's victims of this heinous offense and their families. Prosecutors said Perez, who is nicknamed El Gallo, Spanish for Rusa, was part of the crew that had been peddling drugs out of the Divino Nino daycare on Morris Avenue since at least July, according to a federal complaint. Oh, man, that kid is so precious and so beautiful, man. There, despite the daily presence of children, including infants, parodies and his co-conspirators maintaining large quantities for narcotics, prosecutors said in a statement, the drugs were allegedly sold in packages stamped Red Dawn. In one exchange on August 22nd, Paradis allegedly messaged Brito over an encrypted app 
that he was going to take the garbage out, an apparent reference to the narcotics. Because police were outside, according to the complaint, authorities are still looking for Mendez's husband in connection with the toddler's death, with the manhunt now expanding to the couple's native Dominican Republic, the Post reported earlier on Monday. The fugitive was described by police sources as the main player in the alleged drug selling operation. Surveillance photos released by prosecutors Monday captured him lugging bags allegedly filled with drugs from the daycare center and into the apartment into their apartment next door just minutes before the cops arrived. Cell phone records link Mendez to Brito Paradis according to court documents. Paradis showed no emotion as he stood before a judge in Manhattan Federal Court Monday afternoon wearing a white shirt and a pair of jean shorts along with a black headset for translation. He was ordered held without bail. Mendez and Brito have been locked up without bail since their arrests. Prosecutors said Mendez found the children unresponsive shortly at before 2.39 p.m. on September 15th and made three calls before calling the cops, one to a co-worker and two to her husband. She didn't call 911 until 2.52 p.m., allegedly giving her husband enough time to rush to the daycare from the couple's apartment next door and to make off with the bags as captured in surveillance footage. He had been in the wind since. Mendez allegedly also deleted more than 21,000 messages with her husband dating to 2021 before turning her phone over to the cops, prosecutors said. The three other sicking kids, a pair of two-year-old boys and one of their eight-month-old sisters were saved with overdose reversal drug Narcan, Mayor Eric Adams said last week, but Nicholas was pronounced dead shortly after he was found unconscious by first responders. One of the young victims had been had picked up had been picked up by a parent about two hours before the 911 call and taken to the local hospital. Separately, authorities said they uncovered a kilo of fentanyl sitting on mats the children slept on, according to the court papers. They also seized several kilo presses used to combine the drug with cocaine or heroin. Cops also found a stash of fentanyl in a hallway closet near the bathroom inside a bag stored on top of the pieces of a children's playmat. Last week, police said they found an additional cache of drugs hidden under two trap doors in a follow-up search of the building. Prosecutors said the hidden compartments known as traps were located on the floor of a room in which the children played and slept. Statement said inside authorities also found materials used to package the drugs for retail distribution, including glassine envelope stamps in stamped in red with red dawn. Prosecutors said, according to the complaint, Padres told federal investigators that he sometimes visited daycare center on Wednesdays and Saturdays. He told the feds he had been staying with his aunt since the toddler's death at the facility during a search at the apartment where Paradis had been staying. On Saturday, investigators found similar glassine envelopes as those discovered in traps at the day center, daycare center, as well as the Red Dawn stamp itself, prosecutors said. The search also turned up two Ziploc bags filled with grayish powder in a rectangular brick-shaped package apparently containing drugs, the Fed said. Tools used in the packaging and distributing nar narcotics were also found by investigators, including strainers, tape, a grinder, plastic bags, and digital scales, prosecutors said. The, tru the truly disgraceful allegations in this case continue to shock the census, NYPD Commissioner Edward Caban said in a statement. This latest charge proves that our determination to eradicate the threat of illicit fentanyl and safe lives cannot and will not stop.
It's a sad thing, man. But they need to be given life without parole. Every last one involved. Because this this is inhumane stuff. And I and don't worry. Those inmates, especially ones who deal with drugs, they like I said, women and children are not are is just a rule. You don't harm women and you don't harm children. So it's pretty much a lights out situation for the men. Let's talk about this. Uh, these maniac officers behind a badge, though. Maniac officers. How many of you remember that horror movie, Maniac Cop? Well, let's check out what this officer did. Fair use. He is dead. <laughs> this is Seattle police, though, too. And Seattle has a high crime rate. So imagine the type of cops that are behind the badges. And they have they probably have this guy's attitude. That's not the only time the Seattle police officer talking laughs while discussing what happened here. 23-year-old Janavi Kandula, a Seattle graduate student, struck and killed by a Seattle police cruiser while she was in this city crosswalk on Dexter Avenue last January. A fellow officer was responding to an emergency call. This video just obtained from Como shows that officer en route. The officer on the body cam identified in a news release from the Seattle CPC, the Community Police Commission, as Detective Dan Arterer laughs and says... Yeah, just write a check. Just... Yeah, <laughs> $11,000. She was 26 anyway. She had limited value. Wow! Limited value, huh? Limited value. Because, hey, she didn't have the pre, you know, she doesn't have the complexion for the protection. Limited value. Sad to, sad to say, um, minorities, you know, people of color, <clears throat> they had the uh, term, the lesser dead. Sad. And this is when, you know, Sam Little was a serial killer and he was going around killing women, especially minorities. And I'm saying this because this is the mindset this dude has. Limited value. I bet you wouldn't say this to a white girl. This was a 26-year-old white girl. He would not say this crap. The CPC's co-chair, Joel Merkel, said he heard reports that he and a colleague's comments were mocking attorneys. Joking about how much her life might be worth even if he was mocking an attorney, uh, it's just really heartbreaking and shocking to hear. On the body cam video released by SPD on YouTube and handed over to the Office of Police Accountability for Investigation, you'll also hear the detective say this. He's going 50. That's not out of control. That's not reckless for a trained driver. The officer is seemingly joking about accountability on the video. Online. The department wrote the video is being released in the interest of transparency. It's a real big setback and it really speaks to some of the issues with uh, culture and some of the elements at SPD. Yep. Yeah. yeah, man. 
maniac cops. That's what's going on here. Maniac cops. So you have psychos on the streets and you have psychos behind badges. Can't wait to live there. Seattle cop joked about the death of a graduate student who was fatally struck by a police cruiser while crossing the street, defended his callous remarks in a statement released Friday. Officer Daniel Audra claimed his cold-hearted laughter at the 23-year-old uh, Janavi Kavdalula's death and jokes that the city should just write her a check were taken out of context during a private call. He didn't know he was being recorded by his department-issued body camera. Ho, <laughs> ho, Psychotic and stupid. Deadly combination. The cop has just responded to the January 23rd fatal crash and was speaking with Seattle police officers, Guild President Mike Slolin, to update him with what to update him when he made the remarks. She's dead, Arthur says before bursting out laughing. No, it's a regular person, he says, referring to Kandula. The young woman was struck and killed by a police car driven by Officer Kevin Dave, who was reportedly going 74 miles per hour in a 25 miles per hour zone while responding to a different high priority call. Adura, who is the guild's vice president, told Salone that he did not believe a criminal investigation was being conducted because Dave wasn't driving out of control. At the end of the disturbing clip, Adura crackled that the city should just pay for the devastation of one of its officers' cause. $11,000, she was 26 anyway, she's, he said, misstating the victim's age. She had limited value. After learning that his insensitive clips were in the hands of the department, Adura submitted an August 8th letter a letter to the officer's guild defending his actions and requesting an expedient employee misconduct investigation, the union said Friday. Audrey's claimed that he was responding to comments made by Salone that were not picked up by the cameras in which he questioned what crazy arguments lawyers could spin the tragedy into surrounding the value of human life. I responded with something like, she's 26 years old. What value is there? Who cares? Audrey stated, I intended the comment as a mockery of lawyers. I was admitting, imitating what a lawyer taxed with negotiating the case would be saying and being sarcastic to express that they shouldn't be coming up with crazy arguments to minimize the payment. Audrey has asserted that his laughter was aimed at the ridiculousness of how incidents are litigated before pointing out that he didn't realize he this private conversation was being recorded. I understand that without context, the comment came to be interpreted as a horrifying and crude. Without the context, the comment is insensitive to the family of the victim, when in reality I was involved in a conversation regarding the callousness of the legal system, he said. The officer's guild backed up Audrey's claim of innocence, stating that the existing video that gained virus status in the immediate wake of its release fails to explain the full story context. Guild applauded Audra for coming forward about the footage one month before it was publicly released, adding that more details surrounding the incident will be forthcoming. The footage was released by Seattle Police Department in the interest of transparency one day after the deadly collision was also uploaded to the Seattle Police Department's YouTube page. Kadula's family said Wednesday it was truly disturbing and saddening to hear insensible comments that were made on the body camera footage. The exchange student had arrived in, at Northeastern University in Seattle from India to pursue a master's of science information systems at the College of Engineering. She was due to graduate in December. Javanani is a beloved daughter and beyond at any dollar value of her, her mother and family, the family said in a statement. We firmly believe 
that every human life is inevitable and should be belitt- should not be belittled, especially during a tragic loss. The Consulate General of India in San Francisco called the handling of Condola's death deeply troubling. We have taken up the matter strongly with local authorities in Seattle and Washington State, as well as senior officials in Washington, D.C., for a thorough investigation and action against those involved in the tragic case, the consulate said on X, formerly known as Twitter. The fatal collision is being investigated by Seattle Office of Police Accountability and the King County Prosecuting Attorney's Office conducting a criminal review of the incident. Sue, Seattle Police Department, sued a cop who made this insensitive comment. Just sue them. Got to hit them where it hurts, and that's their pockets. Because this right here is a uh, zero tolerance. Zero tolerance. what happened here it's out of control all right let's get into this next story since convicted killer daniello cavalcante escaped a pennsylvania prison but the search for him is now over authorities in pennsylvania were able to track down and capture him in a residential area abc's morgan norwood has the details Danilo Cavalcante, the once armed and dangerous convicted killer who escaped from a Pennsylvania prison nearly two weeks ago, back in custody. Law enforcement leading a bloody Cavalcante into an armored vehicle. I'm proud to announce the subject is in custody. Authorities say they begin to close in on him around midnight after a burglary call. A heat-detecting plane was already in that area, but had to turn back after bad weather moved in. Tactical teams securing the area until the aircraft could return, locating Cavalcante just before 8 this morning. They were able to move in very quietly. They had the element of surprise. Police say Cavalcante tried to get away from the dozens of tactical officers sent in, crawling under thick underbrush with that 22 caliber rifle he allegedly stole from an open garage. One of the Customs and Border Control teams, BORTAC, uh, had a dog with them. They released the dog. The dog sub- subdued him, and team members from both of those teams immediately moved in. Cavalcante's escape put multiple communities on high alert across Chester County as the police manhunt intensified. Jim Martin, the store manager at the John Deere store where the escape prisoner was found, describes what he saw. Everybody started to congregate back by the shed, and here they were already bringing him out. And then we watched him basically walk him up. One um, camouflage trooper had his gun, his rifle. Cavalcante's reign of terror now over. Our nightmare is finally over and the good guys won. My thing is this, how the hell did he get out of there in the first place? How the hell did he was able to get out? That's what I want to know. How was this possible? That has to be put on the forefront. And people got to be let go. Okay. People have to be made examples of because you let this killer come out. All right. And he already is in jail for, I believe, killing his, the mother of his children in front of his children. So, right then and there, uh, that person has to go. 
whoever was watching him has to be fired. Simple as that. Because this is this, this this type of incompetence is insane. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about Candace Owens now. Let's talk about her. The uh, tool of white supremacy on the Demo on the uh, Republican side. Candace Owens suspended again for YouTube by YouTube for her anti-LGBT. LGBTQ plus comment content. Far right commentator Candace Owens has been suspended from YouTube for her anti-LGBTQ statements. Owens Daily Wire colleague Michael Knowles announced on in a in a video last Tuesday that she has been temporarily barred from posting or appearing on any of the Daily Wire's YouTube channels. He did not say how long the suspension would would be. A YouTube spokesperson told Watchdog Group Media Matters, we issued a strike to the Candace Owens podcast channel for violating our hate speech policy, which prohibits content promoting hatred against the protected individuals or groups, including the LGBT plus community. Owens' recent LGBTQ-related content includes a July 14th interview with right-wing commentator Brandon Tatum, in which he said homosexuality is all about sexual lust, not love, and results from being molested or exposed to pornography as children. Owens didn't dispute Tatum's claims and said that the LGBTQ plus people once represented a small subset of people who were perhaps molested, but now are greater in number because of the social contagion. Then only July 17th, she again said homosexuality is caused by molestation and other traumatic incidents in childhood, and that in the Catholic Church and other institutions where children are sexually abused, it is gay men that are abusing children. The issue is that we have homosexual men that have invaded institutions. Owens has been suspended for a week in June after posting content that included accusations that anybody who shopped at the retail chain Target was gay and a pervert, claims that transgenderism is a cancer and we should fight it, and posts that the podcaster could beat up a non-binary naval service member Media Matters notes, three strikes is issued by YouTube within 90-day period can lead to permanent removal from the platform. So, I mean, in these days of uh, cancel culture, you have to be wise on what you say on these platforms, especially a platform like YouTube, okay? You have to be extremely careful, and you have to know what you can and can't get away with. And that's just it. That's just the bottom line. All right. Now, with uh, Candace Owens, um, there's a lot that uh, see that uh, she's just a tool for white supremacy. As you know, there are tools for white supremacy with melanated skin on the and here are some of these issues I have with Candace Owens. <clears throat> Pro-Hitler Owens, on Essential Park 5, is Sunken Demon's latest cry for help. This is the same person who said Hitler just wanted to make Germany great. 
if defending white supremacy was a club, Candace Owens would not only be a member, she would also be the president. What others rightfully recognize as racism, Owens sees as an opportunity to pander to conservatives who are writing her bigger checks than she got running at an anti-Trump website only a few years ago. Now the same person who not not so long ago defended Adolf Hitler has offered up some more unsolicited and bizarre comments. This time, they're about blacks in, in, refer, in reference to When They See Us, Ava Dunvary's brilliant new miniseries about Central Park 5 that premiered on Netflix over the weekend. How foolish do you have to be to believe that the Central Park, Park 5 case is suddenly being unearthed and glamorized because people care about justice? The 30-year-old Connecticut native tweeted Tuesday afternoon, wake up, black America. Millions of dollars are being spent to emotionally manipulate us ahead of elector election cycle again. All right, but you're helping to manipulate blacks to try to vote um, Republican. She also added that this is the, exactly the problem. The media relies on black emotion. Few people read the details of the case. Now blacks are once again being emotionally manipulated by leftists. The Central Park were not innocent. Really? Is that so, Candace? Is that so? Candace, who is Matias Reyes? Oh, yes, that is the person who actually assaulted that white woman in Central Park, and his DNA matched the DNA of blood that was on that white woman's clothing that uh, came from the attack. All right. And here's what Brandon Tatum has to say. After doing research, I agree with Trump about the Central Park Five. These guys were not innocent little kids, but young men who admitted to multiple crimes, implicated each other, and were identified by multiple independent witnesses as suspects. People don't read. Shameful. This is the clown, Mr. Tatum, okay, who tried to say, I got information about the Central Park Five, but he was immediately ran off, okay, because people actually did their homework and found out that it was Matias Reyes who assaulted that white woman not the Central Park Five. But they did other things. Did they, did they assault that woman? No. Okay. See, that's the funny thing. All right. White kids getting into trouble, breaking windows, causing all types of mayhem. And they're just kids, you know, they lost their way. Black kids, oh, they're criminals. They're criminals. Give them the needle. Give them the chair. They're animals. And once again, people like Candace Owens and Tim Scott will say America is not a racist country. Owens is clearly crying for help. How else can you explain making a sweeping opinion on five men who were exonerated by the New York Supreme Court? The pro-Hitler commentator who inspired the New Zealand terrorists could be suffering from one some from some deep psychological issues. Her craving for fame has exposed her fraudulence. Remember when she tried to own the term Blexit, a word for encouraging black folks to lead the Democratic Party? It turned out that it was actually a slogan stolen from the black, from the <clears throat> bank black movement. Owens also said the NRA is the nation's oldest civil rights organization. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, and I saw the video about that, too. I saw that. That's the National Rifle Association. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, 
and was founded to train black Americans to use guns to defend themselves against the Ku Klux Klan, a Democrat terrorist group. She's the same person who said Hitler just wanted to make Germany great. She also blamed the horrifying mail bombs back in October on Democrats by tweeting, then deleting, I'm going to go ahead and state that there is 0% chance that these suspicious packages were sent out by conservatives. The only thing suspicious about these packages is their timing. Caravans, fake bomb threats, these leftists are going all out for the midterms. Owens truly hates herself. If you have prayers to spare, pray for the sunken <laughs> Wow, they call it a sunken place demon. <sighs> this is crazy, man. And, and this is why I don't feel sorry for Candace Owens. I don't. All right? Because this woman just she's 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 not smart okay she's not smart when it comes to certain things all right she doesn't understand strategy she doesn't understand that most of us we don't own we don't own look we do not own youtube we do not own these channels okay and basically um you have to be careful what you say on here and she doesn't have much prospects. I don't think she does. Okay, especially with that Kanye fiasco. All right. I don't see her having any prospects outside of her YouTube channel. So she has to really watch herself. Every receipt proving Candace Owens is a con artist who is following the money. The head grifter is in charge is claiming her spot on the deplorable totem pole of scammers. Okay. So let's read. Let's let's check it out. And yet the latest indication that Candace Owens is pulling a fast one on her supporters in an effort to get paid at their literal expense, a new report found on the one of her organizations has been seeming fewer donations as her payday from the same organization skyrockets. The finding reinforced longstanding suspicions that Owens is a con artist who is following the money. The organization in question is Owens so-called Blexit, a group that encouraged black people to leave the Democratic Party. A review conducted by the Daily Beast found evidence suggesting that the money Blexit received in donations has been going down, going toward inflated salaries instead of being used to fulfill its vision of changing the narrative that surrounds America's minority communities, with a particular focus on African Americans, as stated on the Blexit Foundation website. Oh, so she's just lining her pockets. To let the Daily Beast tell it, donations to conservative commentator Candace Owens' Blexit Foundation took a precipitous drop in 2021, but the organization paid Owens more than ever 250000 in salary alone. That's not including the chartered flights. Scroll down and keep reading to learn more about Owens' Blexit grift, including how she's even stole its name. Let's talk about Kanye. The damning Blexit report came days after the, all the evidence pointed to Owens using the artist formerly known as Kanye West as another stepping stone to the money. In less than a month's time, Owens has allegedly spotted, been spotted with Ye on the infamous White Lives Matter shirts that set the stage for the rapper's anti-Semitism scandal, which argumentatively paved the way for Ye to not only 
moved to buy the right-wing parlor social media platform that happens to be run by Owen's husband, but also prompted major brands to sever ties that resulted in a major money loss for Ye. All of these, all of the above has likely helped enrich Owens and her family by way of publicity for her struggle documentary on Black Lives Matter, as well as probable payday for her husband if the parlor deal ever goes through. Meanwhile, Ye also is facing a $250 million lawsuit for echoing Owens' conspiracy theory that George Floyd died from fentanyl use and not Derek Chauvin's illegal kneeling restraint on the handcuffed man's neck. In total, Ye on Tuesday lost more than $1 billion of his net worth. Owens, on the other hand, is probably laughing all the way to the bank. White Lives Matter. Owens didn't Set, let that set back, like the U.S. Supreme Court rejecting her earlier this month, affect her as she remained on task, still wearing a matching White Lives Matter t-shirt with Kanye during the rapper's fashion show in Paris. Chances are likely that she will be trying to sell those t-shirts, much like the time she got busted stealing Kanye t-shirts designs for failing Blexit a slogan she also stole from the Bank Black movement. Both reports coupled with the imaginary, the imagery, I'm sorry, of a smiling Owens wearing such a shirt where the latest indications that she's a con artist doing anything to follow the money, including and especially selling out her own people. Specifically, Owens petitioned the Supreme Court after Facebook labeled her status updates as a hoax or false as determined by fact checkers for USA Today, Supreme Court rejects Candace Owens. But on October 3rd, the start of the latest Supreme Court term, that is notably marked by a, a supermajority of conservatives. The nation's highest court rejected the petition without even issuing a comment about it, according to Lauren Crime website. Nearly a year before this latest pair of stunts, Owens was up to her con woman ways when she tried to claim, claim that the U.S. should invade Australia. Let's talk about the COVID-19 incident. During a segment of her YouTube show, she ranted about Australia being a tyrannical police state and their citizens are being imprisoned against their will. Her extremely dangerous rhetoric is aimed at the Australia government's decision to implement the vaccine mandates that require all workers, public and private, to get at least one COVID-19 shot by mid-November or face fines of up to $5,000. In her video, Cohen's called the mandate tyranny totalitarianism totalitarianism, the kind that gives birth to evil dictatorships, dictatorships and human atrocity. As right-wing talking heads like Owens continue to use vaccine mandates as a way to stoke fire and spread lies, more people continue to die from COVID-19. Her disregard for human life is mind-boggling, but should we expect anything different at this point? Candace gonna Candace, no matter who she hurts or steps on in the process. Okay. Her promotion of the so-called freedom phone. The money must be drying up for Candace Owens, who is going full-fledged grifter with her newest endeavor, the so-called freedom phone, a device that she is disingenuously billing as the next coming in cell phones, when, according to reports, it's actually an iPhone knockoff. The key words there is billing as the Freedom Phone carries a price of five thousand a price tag of five hundred dollars and was described by the Daily Beast as a phone preloaded with apps like Parlor and Rumble that appears to be vastly more expensive version of a phone made in China. 
A news article bringing attention to Owen's latest scam said the Freedom Phone was being pushed by MAGA influencers. While promoting the product like and likely be getting paid for it is nothing new. Owen's trademark disingenuous was on the front street with her latest endeavor with shredded social media. Sleuth saw that the same person who had once had kind words towards Hitler was tweeting about the Freedom Phone from an iPhone. The obvious suggestion is that Owens does not use the Freedom Phone to promote freedom, urging her millions of followers to use the product that she herself does not. Notably, Owens tweeted while using an, using an iPhone that she patterned, partnered with a solution against Apple for the Freedom Phone. She made sure to include a special code for a discount when purchasing the phone. Screenshots preserved for truth. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Here's a tweet about this. Candace Owens promotes the new Freedom Phone as a solution against Apple and Google, but forgets she's still posting from Check Notes Twitter for iPhone. She's so excited that I partnered with the solution against Apple and Google. Use code Candace 10% off new phone. Okay. Wow. Anti-vaccine campaign backfires miserably. The Freedom Phone grift was a departure for, from her months-long anti-vaccine campaign, something for which she has been hilariously trolled, especially after the staunch conservative who had said she's anti-abortion unintentionally advocated for pro-choice while making an anti-vax argument. Twitter quickly helped Owens realize she was working against her own interests after she voiced that her family will remain unvaccinated. While it's unclear what initially prompted Owens' tirade, it may be directed towards the White House announcement to launch several initiatives to help decrease vaccine hesitancy, especially among Blacks and other minority communities. She went on to say that she would not force her employees to do so either in hopes to guarantee their medical freedom. However, it was this tweet that made Owens trend on Twitter, where many quickly pointed out that she should have that same energy and space for persons who chose to undergo an abortion. In response to the hilarious tongue-in-cheek tweets congratulating Owens on her change from pro-life to pro-choice regarding abortion, Owens couldn't help herself and continued digging a deeper hole for herself. Wow. I've always been pro-medical choice and anti-the murder of infants. Not sure why this seems to have started some, some on the left who wish to conflate two ideologies. Wow. Oh, boy. <laughs> Owens fails to try bullying, trying to bully Naomi Osaka. On Memorial Day, a day which was supposed to be a housed in reference, Owens used her Twitter platform to lash out at Naomi Osaka over a decision to prioritize her mental health and withdraw from the French Open after voicing the press demands, demands inhibited her wellness. This is Candace. She started to get so annoying. Just quit tennis and become a full-time activist. You make millions and now you're complaining again because you think you're a special snowflake that shouldn't have to do press conferences because they are a form of mental abuse. Do you know what it's like being an athlete, Candace? Hmm? When Simone Biles was going through her um, abuse well, not you know, going through her, reliving her trauma. Okay, reliving her trauma, having to uh, 
be it that Larry Nesser trial because she was abused by him. All right, people were mad that she had that she decided to of the Olympics. Okay, and a lot of white conservatives felt that, oh, she should get out there and perform. No, she's going through something something very traumatic. She has to face the monster who abused her. Like I said, Democrat and Republican are just, these parties are just plantations. And the highest paid blacks within those plantations are the ones they use as their mouthpiece to say things they know they can't get away with. However, in a matter of hours, Owens quickly reversed her statements, her sentiments, largely due to an incessant Twitter dragging she received. And this is what she says. Naomi Osaka made the right decision. Mental illness is a serious and it's always an act of courage to step away to deal with personal issues. Emphasis on the word personal. It's becoming too fashionable for one's person, person's experience to transform into a demand for everybody else. These mishaps she's having, these little hiccups, these flip-flops, is making the people who back her look bad. All right? So eventually, people are just, she's going to get dropped soon. The options didn't go over, and many resorted to giving Owens the same energy that she inflicts on others, especially when she should have used that moment to support another young black woman who was suffering from mental illness and exhaustion. This is a tweet from Bishop Talbert Swan. Candace Owens is facilitating, gaslighting, and shameless grifter, making a living off of castigating and disparaging her own people. She's not worthy to tie Osaka's shoes. She's neither has principles nor integrity and will say what is convenient in the moment. Yeah, she's basically a political prostitute, like many people who are talking heads for the for political parties. Okay. That's basically what she is. Okay, it's disgusting, but um this is how this is how she is. Lawsuit with the NAACP. Owens now calls the NAACP one of the worst groups for black people, even though the organization helped her win a racial discrimination lawsuit in 2007. She accused some white boys for racially harassing and threatening to kill her. Owens claimed the boys were the son of a then Stanford mayor, Daniel Malloy, Connecticut's former governor. Because of the NAACP, Owens family received a settlement of thirty seven thousand five hundred dollars from the Stanford Public Schools. Scott X. Estendale, the Connecticut NAACP president who helped Owens with, with that her lawsuit, was shocked to hear she had some she had become a conservative. Estendale tell, told Mike, we're very saddened and disappointed in her. It seems to me that she's now trying to play a different type of demographic. He also said it's the same type of thing Candace Clarence Thomas did. Thomas reaped all the benefits of the affirmative action and then tried to roll over on it kind of mentality and disrespect okay their anti-trump website in may of 2018 buzzfeed reported that the ceo of an anti-trump liberal leaning website called degree 180 owens wrote in 2015 that it was good news that the republican tea party will eventually die off peacefully in their sleep we hope degree 180 also talked about trump's johnson size and him being racist with an immigrant wife. 
The site reportedly shut down by the end of 2016, and Owens magically came out as a conservative on YouTube a few months later. Okay. There's a whole bunch of stuff about, uh, ah, social autopsy. Let's read about this one. All right. <clears throat> In the spring of 2016, Owens launched an anti-cyberbullying website called Social Autopsy. She reportedly started a Kickstarter campaign to raise $75,000. She sure likes money she doesn't have to work for. CTPost.com described the site as a searchable database of offensive speech found on social media. Owens wanted to expose people who anonymously harass others online, which is known as doxing. and is a huge no-no among conservatives. She claimed she got pushback from the left which was allegedly one of the sparks that lit her conservative fire. However, Quillette.com reported it was the right who attacked her. While Owens portrays herself as the victim of leftist persecution, the fact is that the initial backlash against social autopsy came mostly from the cultural liberation opposition to the authoritarian left. YouTube video bloggers Matt Jarbo, Mundane Matt, and Chris Maldonado, Chris Reagan, both strong critics of social justice warriors, were among the first to blast the project as a terrible idea. Another early negative report came from none other than Breitbart. It was written by Alam Bokhari, a frequent co-author of the not-yet-disgraced Milo Yiannopoulos and a leading foe of the SJW left in digital and tech culture, the site wrote. This would make sense because it's clearly people on the right or MAGA crazies who don't want to be exposed for their hatred. You can hear Candace Owens doing the voiceover for the autopsy in the video below. Oh, man. Uh, all right, let's take a look at it. The human race has never been more connected. It takes a nanosecond, a mere push of a button to share our ideas. Fair use, by the way. Opinions and emotions across the world instantly. But for every cat meme your best friend tweets at you, or for every I miss you comment your grandma leaves on your Facebook wall, there are literally thousands of instances of hate speech being circulated online. Because when communication happens through a screen, and when moments are experienced through a lens, a terrifying extraction takes place. The age of technology and social media has slowly disintegrated individual accountability. The consequences of which are devastating. Rebecca Sedwick, the sixth grader, committed suicide last week. Authorities say she suffered nearly a year of cyberbullying. Two girls charged with using Facebook to taunt and bully their 12-year-old schoolmate until she killed herself. They say weeks of constant bullying cost him his life. We are fostering a society of online bullying, social tormenting, and irresponsible sharing. With the ability to privatize social profiles and use pseudonyms in place of real names, it has been a free-for-all. That is, until now. Introducing Social Autopsy, the first ever search database that compiles and allows the public to easily access the digital footprint of individuals and companies. Our team has crawled through the public interfaces of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, creating real profiles for the individuals that lob hate speech over the web. These individuals are your teachers, doctors, neighbors, and business owners. And for the first time ever, you'll be given the chance to run a real background check on them to see what these people represent behind closed doors. Let me show you how it works. Plug in the name of any person, company, or organization. 
Our database will return any number of profile hits, which can then be narrowed down by city and state. When you've located a user, you will be brought to their autopsy report, which will consist of real screenshots of words that they have shared across social media platforms. Want to keep up to date to see if a particular profile has been added to? You can choose to follow an individual or company autopsy report privately to receive automatic email notifications when there has been any movement to that particular profile. Have someone that you'd like to add to our morgue? Submit them. Our database is continually grown by anonymous submissions from individuals like you. Because why engage in an online back-forth argument with friends over insulting statuses and comments when you can instead screenshot their harsh words and privately submit them to our database? Our team will review each and every submission and make it live if it meets our guidelines for harmful speech. Well, that's about it for right now. So you can see that, you know, this... Uh, Man, <laughs> oh, they're eventually going to get tired of her, man. They're going to get tired of Candace. But that's all I'll read for now, and I'm done. All right? I'm pretty much done. If you want to know about my channel, uh, I'm on Spotify, Hard Talk Radio Live in 4K. I'm on Rumble, Radical Thoughts 791, and um, I'm on YouTube. Okay? And, uh, oh, I'm on Instagram as well. Hot Talk Radio 79. All right. That's about it. If you feel like uh, this cash app, if you feel like donating, feel free to donate. Anything you want to know about this channel is in the description box. Okay, later. Mm -hmm.